thing we're at Revelation chapter 8 uh, once again this morning. I think we had just gotten, made a few comments on the first couple of verses here. This is the trumpet judgments which are announced or contained in the, the seventh seal uh, which Christ opens. And uh, so Revelation chapter 8, let's pray and get underway. Father, we thank you for this another day, and we pray that we would live it to your glory. We pray that as we study your word, you would teach us and give us, by your spirit, understanding, and and that we might become more and more like Christ and more pleasing to you. We pray this all in Christ's name. Amen. All right. Um, well, let's just refresh our memories here by reading uh, at least the first few verses. Uh, There's only, actually may as well read the whole chapter because there's only 13 verses in it. Uh, So, Revelation 8, verse 1. When the Lamb opened the seventh seal, there was silence in heaven for about half an hour. Then I saw the seven angels who stand before God, and seven trumpets were given to them. And another angel came and stood at the altar with a golden censer, and he was given much incense to offer with the prayers of all the saints on the golden altar before the throne. And the smoke of the incense with the prayers of the saints rose before God from the hand of the angel. Then the angel took the censer and filled it with fire from the altar and threw it on the earth. And there were peals of thunder rumblings, flashes of lightning, and an earthquake. Now the seven angels who had the seven trumpets prepared to, prepared to blow them. The first angel blew his trumpet, and there followed hail and fire mixed with blood, and these were thrown upon the earth. And a third of the earth was burned up, and a third of the trees were burned up, and all green grass was burned up. The second angel blew his trumpet, And something like a great mountain burning with fire was thrown into the sea, and a third of the sea became blood. A third of the living creatures in the sea died, and a third of the ships were destroyed. The third angel blew his trumpet, and a great star fell from heaven, blazing like a torch, and it fell on a third of the rivers and on the springs of water. The name of the star is Wormwood. A third of the waters became wormwood, and many people died from the water because it had been made bitter. The fourth angel blew his trumpet, and a third of the sun was struck, and a third of the moon, and a third of the stars, so that a third of their light might be darkened, and a third of the day might be kept from shining, and likewise a third of the night. Then I looked. And I heard an eagle crying with a loud voice as it flew directly overhead, Woe, woe, woe to those who dwell on the earth at the blasts of the other trumpets that the three angels are about to blow. So here you have the first four trumpets contained here in chapter 8. And then it ends with a uh, sobering and solemn, ominous introduction of the final three trumpets that were about to blow. Now, we said last time, well, we just commented here on verse 1 about the the silence in heaven when the Lamb opens the seventh seal. And we looked at some other passages in the Old Testament, Zechariah, Habakkuk, and Zephaniah. They all contain references to this silence in heaven's silence before the throne of God, and it it always indicates a uh, coming judgment, all right, an announcement of of uh, of judgment. So that's what's going on there. And then in verse two, you have these seven angels that we thought you know maybe they're the same angels of the seven messengers of the churches that we saw in chapters two and and three. We don't know for sure, but uh, each one is given to a one of these seven, uh, so one of these seven trumpets. Um, <clears throat> now, 
And oh, and then we get down into um, the angel that uh, takes the, the incense. And what you have here in this imagery is uh, an encouraging announcement to Christ's true people that their prayers are being answered. That, uh, you know, then the, the background of this, uh, the golden censer, and there's incense in it, you know, uh, burning the smoke of the incense with the prayers of the saints, right? So here are the, here's this symbolism, this picture of the, that the, the trumpet judgments, for example, uh, the seal judgments too, but in particular, the, the trumpet judgments are given and effected in response to the prayers of the saints, right? The prayers, prayers for justice, prayers for vindication, prayers for God's judgment on a wicked world, on his enemies and on those who have persecuted then Christ's, uh, Christ's people. Someone, I can't remember which commentary it was that I was reading, <clears throat> said that they added this, this uh, observation that, you know how in Romans 8, we're told that the Holy Spirit intercedes for us because we don't know how to pray as we ought, right? We, you don't often know there's certain things that you can pray for that you know for sure are are the will of God, but other times there's other things and and the timing of the answers to those prayers and so on that, that we don't know, but we're told that the Holy Spirit, He does know. His prayers are always answered, and um, I mean, He's God, right? So, so there's that intercession for us, kind of a what. A, a tweaking of our prayers or something like that so that they are in, in in accordance with the will the will of God so here then are uh, and, and and anyway that commentator uh, made the observation that this imagery of uh, an angel standing there at the altar in the presence of God, and he's had this uh, incense to offer with the prayers of all the saints. So it's like he's going to offer these these prayers. And the guy, the commentator mentioned that perhaps we're, we're being shown here that the prayers of God's people are being refined or purified or as the work of the Spirit, right? Making intercession for us uh, in, this, in this fire and in this imagery of the incense, you know, that uh, it is then the, the smoke of the incense that ascends up with the prayers of the saints uh, before God. And then, at any rate, in verse 5, the angel takes the censer, fills it with fire from the altar, kind of an image of judgment connected directly with the prayers of the saints, throws it on the earth, and there were peals of thunder, rumblings, flashes of lightning, and an earthquake, and ominous judgments begin, and then the trumpets are, judgments are, are about then to happen. By the way, there in verse 5, you can see here uh, somewhat of the nature of, of the prayers that have been offered and which by this time here as they're being answered are definitely in accord with the, uh, with the will of God. And what's the nature of these prayers? Well, the nature of these prayers is, the, is for judgment upon evil, upon Satan's kingdom and upon those that, that, that serve him and hate Christ and persecute Christ and and his and his people, you see, a lot of times today we get seem to be taught that praying for such things is unchristian. You see, well, in direct answer 
to the prayers of God's people who have been long persecuted by this wicked world and evil, as Revelation calls them, earth dwellers. Well, the, what is the answer to, to these prayers? It's going to be these trumpet judgments, right? You even see kind of a indicator of the nature of these judgments. It's that he takes the censer and it's filled with fire from the altar. He throws it on the earth. Peals of thunder, rumblings, flashes of lightning, and an earthquake, uh, almost like an announcement that, uh, that here it comes, you know. So, um, and that introduces us then to the seven uh, trumpets. Now, once again, as always, especially in the book of Revelation, we want to look to the Old Testament to uh, shed some light on what these things mean, all right? So what, what do we know about trumpets from the Old Testament? Um, well, we can go over here to um, G.K. Beale's book, and got it on the screen here. Let's uh, listen, to, listen as I, I read this, and this is really helpful. The headline is, the heading is, the Exodus plagues and the trumpets of Jericho as the background to the trumpet judgments. Now, maybe I should just show you here. Well, we already read them, but uh, for instance, verse 7, the first angel blows his trumpet and what happens? Hail and fire mixed with blood thrown upon uh, the earth. And then down here, you had some judgment upon the, the waters, you know, wormwood and uh, bitter water and, and then uh, a diminished uh, luminescence of, uh, of light from the sun and the moon and the, and the stars and so forth. And what does that bring to mind? Well, just as G.K. Beale is saying, what it brings to mind is the plagues in Egypt in Exodus. And what were those? Well, they were, they were judgments of God upon Egypt, upon Pharaoh, who had afflicted God's people <clears throat> and were also part of a great exodus. So when we suddenly we start seeing uh, the these kind of images and we think back to Egypt, right? The hail coming down, hailstones and, and so on. Um, then, well, this is a judgment of God. That's what these trumpets, that's what these trumpets are as they, as they sound. And then, of course, as he says here in the heading, you've got that whole thing about <clears throat> Joshua and the battle at Jericho, and they're marching around seven times when trumpets are involved, right? So let's see what Beale has to say here. The first five trumpets are patterned <clears throat> after the five after five of the plagues of Exodus. The first trumpet, hail, fire, and blood, corresponds to the plague of hail and fire, Exodus chapter 9. The second and third trumpets, poisoning of the sea and waters, uh, that reminds us of the plague on the Nile. Let's see, it was like turned to blood, wasn't it? Something. And the fourth trumpet, darkness, to the plague of darkness in Exodus chapter 10. And the fifth trumpet, locusts, to the plague of locusts in Exodus 10. As with the Egyptian plagues, the plagues punish hardness of heart and idolatry, since each plague had a judgment suited to a particular Egyptian god and persecution of God's people. So, uh, <clears throat> Think of this now with that Old Testament background. We'll read some more here, but um, it's clear that what's happening here in these trumpets is an announcement of God's judgment upon a wicked world that has pursued idolatry and refused to acknowledge and give thanks to him and has persecuted then God's people. This is, and as Beale uh, argues, 
these trumpets then in this imagery are not specifically and especially designed to bring a wicked world to repentance. They're designed as judgment upon them. And as we're going to see, <clears throat> well, we've already mentioned it, but as we saw, talked about it in the, the, judge, the seal, the seven seals and so on. But um, these judgments are not something that are only in the future, right before Christ comes, but they're judgments <clears throat> that God is carrying out now in this present age upon this wicked world ever since this world crucified the Son of God and Christ then rose from the dead victorious and ascended to heaven. And um, as we'll see, these judgments are have been in effect all along. And although they will increase, I think we see this in Revelation, they will increase in intensity as we draw nearer and nearer to, to the return of Christ. Okay? In other words, God is effecting, while there is a final judgment to come when Christ comes, Christ is, God is answering the prayers of, of God's people by effecting judgment, you might say kind of partial judgment, judgment upon a wicked world, and that these things are primarily intended as judgment for a world that has murdered and rejected the, the, the Son of God, you see. Now, mixed in with this, of course, is uh, um, there... For those that have ears to hear, these judgments can perhaps cause someone to re-examine themselves and see their sin and turn to Christ. But we live in a world that is a kingdom of darkness which crucified the, the Son of God and... Uh, God is effecting judgment now. And that, that causes us to reevaluate our outlook on this present world. You know, John tells us in 1 John, don't love this world. Why? It's perishing. And judgment is, is on it now. So, and, and you'll notice that these judgments are... Not all of them, but a lot of them are effected through the creation. In other words, the message is loud. It should be loud and clear. Something's really wrong here. The creation is out of order. In fact, uh, creation is an instrument being used to bring God's judgment upon, upon wicked people and cause them to stop and think. It should cause them to stop and think, right? I mean, what happens when a, when a super tornado wipes out a whole town, right? And, and a whole lot of people are killed in an instant. We, that's not natural. It's something that happens in nature, but that's not the way God created nature. Something is wrong, something, and it should it should cause pause to, for us to, everybody to stop and think, why did this happen? Why are there wars? Why, why, is, all of this, why is all of this happening? And Revelation is explaining why all of that has happened. Now keep in mind, before all of these judgments happened, uh, you have God's people being sealed, Right? They're marked. He knows his own so that these, they're, they're protected, not necessarily from the temporal, physical effects. I mean, Christians get sick too, and Christians die in wars and, and tornadoes. 
but their faith is always preserved and they are always brought safely home. Not so for the wicked. All right, well, let's go on here. That was just kind of a, an overview here. Um, as with the Egyptian plagues, the plagues punish hardness of heart, idolatry, since each plague had a judgment suited to a particular Egyptian god and persecution of God's people. God's overall intention was to harden Pharaoh's heart so that he would not release Israel and so that God would have opportunity to perform his plague signs. Therefore, these signs were not intended to coerce Pharaoh into releasing Israel, but functioned primarily to demonstrate Yahweh's incomparable omnipotence to the Egyptians in this light. They are also judgments executed against the Egyptians because of their hardness of heart. The ultimate purpose of the plague signs was that Yahweh should be glorified. Even when God grants Pharaoh a change of heart so that he releases Israel, he hardens his heart again. The result of this last act of hardening leads to the defeat of the Egyptians in the Red Sea, which results in God's glory. Although the plagues are warnings for which Pharaoh will be held accountable if he does not heed them, they are ultimately intended, at least for the majority of Egyptians, as judgments. For not only has God foreknown and predicted Pharaoh's obdurate, that means stubborn, response, he's also caused it. These plagues are now shown to be typological. Remember a type, T-Y-P-E, is a, a word that means that's a, what we call these Old Testament images that represent a New Testament truth, all right? So these, the plagues are, are types, they are typological or prophetic foreshadowings of God's judgments against unbelievers throughout the church age, like the trumpet judgments, and culminating in the last judgment, which initiates the, now get this, the final exodus of God's people from this world of captivity. So here we are, you see it? Um, the world is like Egypt. Uh, it's, a, it's an evil kingdom that hates God and hates God's people and would enslave God's people. There is uh, in store for us as God's people one more exodus, a final exodus from this Egypt, from this evil world to the ultimate promised land, the new heavens and the new earth. All right? So when you see these judgments of God being uh, enacted all around us, the death and pain and suffering and the hands of evil men and all this stuff going on, while we have empathy for those that are suffering, at the same time recognize what's going on here. God is, is bringing judgment upon this evil Egypt, this evil world, and it's going to culminate in us saying goodbye world. We're, we're out, we are out of here all for God's, all for God's glory. And our, of course, our, our Passover lamb and the blood on our doorpost is that of, of Christ. So, um, so it initiates the final exodus of God's people from this world of captivity into eternal freedom. While the trumpet plagues bring warning and may cause repentance in some, as indicated, we're going to see this, as indicated by the limitation of the judgments. All right, in chapters 8 through 9, you're going to see that it's only a third of, of the heavens and a third of the grass and this kind of a thing that is that burned up, uh, all right? Uh, so you have the limitation of the judgments, which implies that God is restraining his wrath to allow for repentance, right? He, God is not willing that any should perish. He wants everybody to come to repentance, even though he 
And we know that, right? We want everybody to come to repentance, even though we know they're, they're not going to, but we nevertheless, you desire it. Um, the, nevertheless, these, the trumpet judge, the judgments are, their primary purpose is the judgment of unbelievers. These plagues also function to demonstrate there, the unbelievers, hardness of heart and the fact that they're being punished because of such hardened which is hardness, which is expressed by their persistence in idolatry and their persecution of the saints. Repeatedly, you will see these judgments um, carried out upon this wicked world, upon the earth dwellers. And how does it all end? Each, they, you'll see a statement like, nevertheless, they did not repent. But continued to worship their, to, to worship their idols, and to persecute the saints. You know, you know. Yeah, here we go. We know the the day of the wrath of the Lamb has come. But do they repent? No. Fall on us, rocks and hills, and hide us from the wrath. And and then you'll have statements like, "Well, they still didn't repent." In the Old Testament, here we go now. Trumpets, okay. Trumpets had a number of connotations, including judgment, warning, victory, and eschatological end times judgment. Against the background of the Exodus plagues, the emphasis in Revelation with the trumpets must be on the theme of judgment, a judgment unleashed by the resurrection and enthronement of Christ, which have given him sovereignty over history. You see the point how this, I mean, it's really helpful here. People ask, well, why does God allow bad things in this world? Why does he allow wars? Why does he allow plagues? Why does he allow famine? Why? How come? Why is this? It's because this world, this evil world is in rebellion against him, has crucified the Son of God who came into this world to, uh, as, as our Savior, and that's why these things are happening. The next time somebody asks you, well, if God is good, how come he's allowing this kind of stuff? Well, the answer, I'll tell you why. Because God is good. He is, he is, he is a God of justice, and justice is good. You know, and you can tell the person if they're an unbeliever, have have you believed in Christ? Have you called upon him? Do you know him as, as your savior? If not, you're part of this world which, which hates Christ. And, and what's happening here when you see floods and all the bad things that are happening in this world, uh, you need to realize that this is God's judgment upon a wicked world for rejection of Christ, and you need to humble yourself and ask for forgiveness, you see. In the Old Testament, trumpets also sounded an alarm that a battle against God's enemies was imminent. And it refers back to Judges, of course. You're going to start uh, in references in Jeremiah and Ezekiel, he says here, as well. Judgment is imminent. Undoubtedly, the main Old Testament passage in view here, here we go, this is this is kind of neat here, is the story of the fall of Jericho, right? There it is, where trumpets announce the impending victory of a holy war. Seven trumpets were blown by seven priests, Joshua chapter 6, and here the trumpets are blown by seven angels who are priestly figures. The ark was present at Jericho and in its heavenly form is also present in the heavenly temple. Interestingly, at the Jericho episode, there was, get this, verbal silence directly linked to a climatic trumpet judgment, which is a pattern found in Revelation 8. The trumpets blown at Jericho by the priests, like the plagues on Egypt, are not warnings at all, right? 
Jericho was coming down. It was going to be destroyed. They only indicate judgment. And this shows further that the trumpets in Revelation primarily connote the idea of judgment rather than warnings designed to induce repentance. Um, let's see here. Look, uh, Joshua 6. I, we should probably take the time to go back there and uh, take a look at that. Then, uh, Joshua chapter 6, the fall of Jericho. Here we go. Now, Jericho was shut up inside and outside because of the people of Israel. None, no one went out, and no one came in. And the Lord said to Joshua, See, I've given Jericho into your hand with its king and mighty men of valor. Christ has done that to his church. He's given the world into our hand with its king. With, say They're defeated. You shall march around the city, all the men of war going around the city once. Thus shall you do for six days. Seven priests shall bear seven trumpets of ram's horns before the ark. On the seventh day, you shall march around uh, the city seven times, and the priests shall blow the trumpets. And when they make a long blast with the ram's horn, when you hear the sound of the trumpet, then all the people shall shout with a great shout. The wall of the city will fall down flat, and the people shall go up, everyone straight before him. So Joshua, the son of Nun, called, it's probably Noon, I imagine, how you pronounce that, Joshua the son of Nun, called the priests and said to them, take up the ark of the covenant and let seven priests bear seven trumpets of ram's horn before the ark of the Lord. And he said to the people, go forward, march around the city and let the armed men pass on before the ark of the Lord. And just as Joshua had commanded the people, seven priests bearing seven trumpets of ram's horns before the Lord went forward, blowing the trumpets. And the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord followed them. I imagine that was pretty well freaking out the people in Jericho then. But the armed men were walking before the priests who were blowing the trumpets, and the rear guard was walking after the Ark while the trumpets blew continually. Now check this out. But Joshua commanded the people, You shall not shout or make your voice heard, Neither shall any word go out of your mouth until the day I tell you to shout. Then you shall shout. So, in other words, what uh, Beale observed is that this command not to make any noise is uh, parallel to what we see in Revelation. Right before the trumpet judgments, there's silence in heaven then for a half hour. So he caused the ark of the Lord to circle the city, going about it once. And they came into the camp and spent the night in the camp. Then Joshua rose early in the morning. The priests took up the ark of the Lord. And the seven priests bearing the seven trumpets of ram's horn before the ark of the Lord walked on. And they blew the trumpets continually. The armed men were walking before them. And the rear guard was walking after the ark of the Lord while the trumpets blew continually. And the second day they marched around the city once and returned into the camp. So they did for six days. On the seventh day, they rose early at the dawn of day and marched around the city in the same manner seven times. It was only on that day that they marched around the city seventh time. And at the seventh time, when the priests had blown the trumpets, Joshua said to the people, Shout, for the Lord has given the city, and all that is within it shall be devoted to the Lord for destruction. Only Rahab the prostitute and all who are with her in her house shall live because she hid the messengers whom we sent. But you keep yourselves from the things devoted to destruction. See, there it is. Don't love this present world. The things of this world are devoted to destruction. Don't love this present world. Lest when you've devoted them, you take any of the devoted things and make the camp of Israel a thing for destruction and bring trouble upon it. Like, remember Achan, and he did, he took some silver and hid it in his tent and but all silver and gold and every vessel of bronze and iron are holy to the Lord they shall go to, into the treasury of the Lord so the people shouted 
and the trumpets were blown. As soon as the people heard the sound of the trumpet, the people shouted with a great shout, and the wall fell down flat, so that the people went up into the city, every man straight before him, and they captured the city. Then they devoted all in the city to destruction, both men and women, young and old, oxen, sheep, and donkeys with the edge of the sword. But to the two men who had spied out the land that Joshua said, go into the prostitute's house, bring out from there the woman and all who belong to her as you sort her. So anyway, you see that Rahab there is an image of the people of God who are uh, marked, they're sealed, and they don't perish in, in the, that final destruction. Well, then that's the, that's the point that, uh, that Beale is making for us here. And you see then the, the significance of the, uh, of the trumpets. At Jericho, likewise, the first six trumpets precede but are a necessary preparation for the climactic judgment of the seventh. Likewise, the first, because if I'm not mistaken, you know, the seventh trumpet, just like the seventh seal introduced the seven trumpets, so the seventh trumpet introduces, I think, the seven bowls of God's wrath. We'll, we'll see if that's, if that's correct. Remember, though, these visions... That God that that God is showing John are that's uh, how they're laid out. It, he'll use words like "after this, then I saw." Well, what that refers to is the fact that John had this vision first, the seals. Then he had this vision, the trumpets, and so on. And then he had the visions of the bowls. But just because he saw, he's shown these first, this one, then this one, this one. Doesn't mean that the events in those series, in the seals and the trumpets and the bowls, are happening consecutively. Okay? What we've seen, and remember, recapitulation is each one of these series of judgments is actually describing the same era, this present church age up until the time of Christ's return, but with a different emphasis. So the emphasis in the seal judgments was largely upon the experience of suffering of God's people in this present world and why that is happening. But the the emphasis in the trumpet judgments is God's answer to the prayers of the suffering saints and his judgment upon this world and upon and upon the wicked. So um, at Jericho, likewise, the first six trumpets precede, but are a necessary preparation for the climatic judgment of the seventh. And likewise, the first six trumpets of Revelation are necessary primary woes leading up to the decisive judgment of the seventh trumpet at the end of history when the great city, Babylon, representative of this world, of which Jericho is a prophetic type symbol, picture, right, will be decisively destroyed. This reminds us again, yeah, here we go. This reminds us again that the contents of the seven trumpets, okay, do not occur subsequent after the contents of the seven seals because the content of the seventh trumpet and the seventh seal is identical, the last judgment. So when we had, when we saw the sixth and seventh seal judgments, they're clearly a description of the final judgment. Well, then you come to the seal judgments, and sure enough, the seventh trumpet is also describing the final judgment. And that's, so you see, they're not first this series of judgments in history, and then this series of judgment, but rather it's describing uh, events of the, of, the, of the church age that end in the, in the, return, of, in the return of Christ. So, um, <clears throat> all right then, let's go back to Revelation 
8. <clears throat> and then we get down here to, uh, oh, let's see, where do I want to pick up? Um, at verse 6, okay? I think a good way to introduce this <clears throat> is uh, to read to you, I'll read to you some more here, from uh, Hendrickson, his little book here, More Than Conquerors. We've referred to that quite a bit, right? William Hendrickson, More Than Conquerors. And uh, what, well, our initial impressions here of the seven trumpets. Let's look, look at them again here, verse 6. Now the seven angels who had the seven trumpets prepared to blow them. The first angel blew his trumpet, and there followed hail and fire mixed with blood, and these were thrown upon the earth. And a third of the earth was burned up, and a third of the trees were burned up, and all the grass, green grass was burned up. The second angel blew his trumpet, and something like a great mountain, um, not necessarily a mountain, but something, something like a great mountain, burning with fire, was thrown into the sea, and a third of the sea became blood. A third of the living creatures in the sea died, and a third of the ships were destroyed. A third angel blew his trumpet. A great star fell from heaven, blazing like a torch, and it fell on the third of the rivers, and so on. And, you know, the name of the star is Wormwood, and pollutes all the waters. And then the fourth angel, you have uh, this third of the sun, third of the moon, third of the stars, so that a third of their light might be darkened. Now, the, the difficulty what, that you see, and you probably sense it already, is uh, how are we to interpret these things? You know, uh, you know are they, I mean, is, are we to expect hail and fire mixed with blood coming down from the sky on the earth? Are we to expect a third of the earth being burned up or some large object like a great mountain burning with fire thrown into the sea and a third of the fish and whatever lives in the sea dies? Or You see the point here, and this is something kind of a tension all through Revelation, how literally do you take these things? Well, in a sense, as we've said before, we take them all literally in this regard that these are symbols that, and signs that represent literal things. The question is, is what is the thing itself uh, the thing, right? Is the hail and fire mixed with blood here? Is that what <clears throat> is to be seen? Or is God giving us a symbol that represents some other literal reality? You, you, you understand that, right? And as we've already seen, <clears throat> to some extent at any, any rate, um, <clears throat> Certainly, these images are clearly being drawn, a large number of them anyway, from the Exodus plagues and judgments upon Egypt. So, <clears throat> what they are representing is literal judgment upon Egypt, upon this present evil world and its king, right? It's God, the devil. It's Pharaoh, the, the devil. And, uh, and so plainly, that much we know. That's really clear. You can look back here and, uh, and even the trumpets themselves, as we've just seen from Joshua 6 there, that the trumpets themselves are announcing a literal judgment and destruction ultimately of Babylon, of this present, of this present world. And... Uh, those that belong to it. So that much we do know, but, but then uh, we get into things like, well, especially um, 
you know, a great star falling from heaven, blazing like a torch. Is that describing something that we should be looking for that's still going to happen? Because if you take this in that literal sense, this hasn't happened yet, right? There hasn't been, as far as I know, a great star falling from heaven, blazing like a torch, and falling on a third of the rivers and on the springs of the water and causing many people to die because the water has been poisoned, right? Is that something, if that is literally the thing that a star object is really going to do that, then it hasn't happened yet, and it has to be, it has to be future, you see. Well, so as I said, let me at least begin. We don't have much time left. I'll start this, and then we'll uh, plan to pick up here next time. I think, I hope that you're beginning to sense here how valuable then, you remember how a blessing is promised for those who read and hear this book of Revelation? This book, if you properly understand Revelation, it gives you clarity as to what in the world literally is going on in this present world. Why does God allow uh, Putin to murder people and invade and bomb and shell little kids in in uh, Ukraine. Why is he? Why is that happening? You see, and we're seeing answered. This is a world that has rejected Christ, and there is some mercy in it in the sense that that um, people are being given an opportunity. Hey, you better wake up. You better wake up. You better acknowledge God here. He's working to get your attention. This is judgment upon a wicked world which has um, rejected, rejected Christ. And, uh, but anyway, all right, I'll, I'll just begin this. We only have a couple minutes left here, but um, he has uh, a chapter here, chapter 10, the seven trumpets. The panorama of the history of the church has twice now been unrolled before our wondering gaze. And what he, what he means by that, to this point in Revelation, we've seen um, um, the church and uh, its relation to Christ represented in the early chapters when the letters to the churches and also the vision of the risen Christ in, and glorified Christ in chapter 1. And, but then, in addition to that, we had the seven seal judgments. And so here again, we see Christ and, and, his, and his church. Well, he says now, um, the, um, and then of course we saw chapter four and so on, the risen Christ and ascended Christ in all of his glory, the lamb before, before the throne. And, uh, and then Hendrickson says, Consequently, we're not at all surprised when with the opening of the first seal, he's talking about the seal judgment, we saw Jesus going forth conquering and to conquer. But this rider upon the white horse, remember Hendrickson said that the white horse was Christ going forth with the gospel. The rider upon the white horse is always followed by the rider upon the red horse. Wherever our Lord Jesus Christ begins to wield his spiritual scepter, Satan begins to brandish his sword. So the, the, the second, third, and fourth horsemen are evil, right, as a result. And they, uh, <clears throat> the seals describe the persecution of the church by the world. And not only persecution, but every form of trial and tribulation. In the vision of the souls underneath the altar, we receive the assurance that the slaughter of the saints will not remain unavenged. Although the final and complete retribution is reserved for the great day of Jehovah, even now the seals of persecution are again and again followed by the trumpets of judgment. But before these trumpets are introduced, the church militant, the church here still on earth, is sealed against all harm. So he's kind of summarizing things here. Finally, we saw the church triumphant that's come out of the great tribulation 
and forever rejoices in the immediate and glorious presence of the Lamb. Remember, a multitude that no one could number. So now everything is ready for the trumpets of judgment. These trumpets of judgment indicate indicate series of happenings. That is, calamities, and here we go, calamities that occur again and again throughout this present age, the church age, from the time of Christ's resurrection to the time of the final judgment. These, these judgments do not symbolize single and separate events, but they refer to woes that may be seen in any day of the year <clears throat> in any part of the globe. And therefore, the trumpets are synchronous. They happen at the same time as the seal. Now, I'm not going to, I'll stop right there, but you see, he just started to get into this um, uh, issue of the fact that um, what we're going to see in the trumpet judgments is the fact that God is effecting judgments upon this present world, and that's why we are seeing. Uh, well, you name it, natural calamities in nature that were never intended, hurricanes, floods, tornadoes, the fact that grizzly bears eat people. I mean, everything is, is out of whack. And, and this is characteristic of this age that we're in because we live in a world that hates Christ and God is effecting judgments for his glory upon upon this world. So we'll pick up right there next time with Hendrickson, and uh, he'll give us a, some more indicators about this. And this much we know, the trumpet judgments are, are judgments from God upon this present wicked world and, uh, and, and are, are not only given as judgments, primarily judgments, but they're also given to cause, uh, actually in, in ways to encourage us to recognize these are, these are in, in a way, answers to, to our prayers that God would judge a wicked world and, and at the same time that we would hope that some of those Egyptians would repent, right, and turn to and turn to Christ. Okay, we'll pick up there next time. Let's pray. Father, we ask your uh, blessing on us as we consider these things, and we pray that they would be an encouragement to us, help to help us make sense out of this world that's not, not really spinning out of control, but is in your perfect uh, decree and your perfect sovereignty. Uh, we pray that those the people we know, neighbors and friends and relatives that are dead in their sin and perishing and in need of Christ, that you might show them mercy, their eyes might be opened to look around at this world and realize that, that this is you showing them that something is terribly wrong with this world and with them and that they need Christ. And we pray this all in Christ's name. Amen.